Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, November 6, 2017. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio, Beantown Athletics, Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. And with football season in full swing, it begs the question, how is your fantasy football team doing? Maybe you drafted a dud in the fourth round or your first round pick is on the shelf with a bum knee. The good news is it's not too late to forget the injuries and get back in the winning column with DraftKings one-week fantasy football. And the best part is you get to draft a new team every week without any commitment whatsoever. So get to DraftKings.com right now and use my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C to play for free with your first deposit for your share of over $1 million in total prizes this coming Sunday. Today's show is also presented by Adam's Corner Cafe and Butcher Shop in Dorchester. My studio is right down the street, so I will be swinging by Adam's Corner Cafe and Butcher Shop later this week to load up for some food for Week 10 in the NFL, and you should do the same exact thing. My usual order, steak tips, chicken, and of course, a few sausages that are seasoned with spices straight from Ireland. This place is a staple in Boston, so stop in today on Adams Corner in Dorchester and let Jeannie and Gordon take care of you for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And whether you're stocking your fridge or filling your stomach by eating in their cafe, everything is made to order with the freshest ingredients at Adams Corner Cafe and Butcher Shop and Dorchester. Check out their entire menu right now, AdamsCornerCafeAndButcher.com. That's AdamsCornerCafeAndButcher.com. And when you do stop in, make sure you tell them I sent you. And before we do begin the show, I got to remind you to join us this Friday night, November 10th, on the Spirit of Boston cruise ship. You know, the one that leaves from the seaport down the waterfront in Southie. Uh, The Spirit of Boston Cruise Ship, a charity event that supports the Massachusetts Pediatrics Fund. Again, this Friday night, November 10th, the Massachusetts Pediatrics Fund supports initiatives and institutions that are focused on mitigating the pain and discomfort of pediatric illness. The event Friday night will include a buffet dinner, live music by the White Heat Swing Orchestra, and a silent auction. I'll be there, and you should be there, too. Tickets can be purchased online on their website, masspediatricsfund.com. That's masspediatricsfund.com. Or if you want, you can send me an email, info at dannypicard.com, and I will send you the link and make sure you get signed up. Make sure you get a ticket. Again, Friday night, this Friday night, November 10th, on the Spirit of Boston. So let's get it started. The Patriots had the bye week in week number nine. So we had no Patriots game to watch this weekend. Uh, we will get set for Sunday night football next Sunday, this coming Sunday in Denver. Patriots play a Broncos team that has lost four straight games. The Broncos got whooped by the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday, yesterday. So um, Patriots will go to Denver, and they'll be coming off the bye week. Broncos, again, coming off four straight losses, just getting whooped. I, I Still, all of that said, I just have a tough time sitting here telling you that this is going to be an easy game. I do. I have a tough time telling you this will be an easy game. I just have a feeling that this is still going to be a dogfight. I just have a feeling that Denver, at home, 
I feel like this is going to be a tight game. I do. The Patriots open as a seven and a half point favorite on the road. The Broncos look terrible, but still being in Denver, being national TV, Sunday night football. Um, it's looking like it's going to be Brock Osweiler again. I think who knows really, but all of that said, Denver's defense against the Patriots in Denver, as bad as the Broncos have looked, I still think this is going to be a dogfight. So I cannot tell you right now that this is going to be an easy game. I can't tell you that I even feel good about it. And really the biggest reason I say that or feel that way is just because if you watch the NFL, it's so unpredictable that the obvious thing that should happen in this game Sunday night with the Patriots in Denver, the obvious thing that should happen is that a 6-2 and two Patriots team that's currently the number two seed in the AFC as I record this podcast, a 6-2 and two Patriots team that's won four straight, that's playing against the Broncos team that's lost four straight and is out of the playoff picture as I record this, what should happen in that game is that the Patriots should dominate the Denver Broncos. But as you know, the things that should happen in this league, they don't always happen like that. So again, that's really the biggest reason why I can't sit here and tell you right now that this is going to be an easy game for the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. But we got some more time to talk about that game. Let's take a look at Week 9. Let's take a look back. Uh, Week 9 will actually conclude on Monday Night Football with Green Bay hosting Detroit. The Lions a two-point favorite on the road in this one, but that's mainly because Aaron Rodgers uh, is not playing. So week nine concludes with Monday Night Football. Green Bay hosting the Detroit Lions. Me personally in week nine, I had a bad week. I had a bad week on my picks. And you know what? The bad week for me began before it even started. Because I gave you last week's show on Wednesday, the second show last week, I gave it on Wednesday. I usually give it on Thursday, but... Um, I gave it to you on Wednesday because I just needed to jump on and react to the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Uh, so go back and listen to that Wednesday. So I gave you my picks a day earlier than I usually do last week. But even if I did jump on and give you a Thursday, I still would have had a bad week before I began because I took Deshaun Watson as my DraftKings gotta have him play of the week. And also because I expected Deshaun Watson to have a huge day against the Colts in Houston. The Texans were home. I took Houston minus 13. As you know, Deshaun Watson tore his ACL uh, a day after I made my picks at practice. They were saying it wasn't even a contact injury, right? I mean, how awful is that? Uh, not just for the kid, not just for the Texans, but for the league. I mean, there haven't been many locks this season, right? I, I do feel like one thing that we came to expect week in and week out in this NFL season was that Deshaun Watson was going to show up and have a big game. That's like one of the only things this year that I felt confident in saying. And it was pretty amazing to watch what he's been able to do as a rookie quarterback. And then you get a, a, a breaking news story on Thursday where it's like the kid tore his ACL at practice and it's just it's off. I feel terrible for the kid. I feel horrible for the Texans, fans of the Houston Texans. But really... You know, this is not just bad for them. This is bad for the entire league because Deshaun Watson was turning into must-see TV. And if you watch the NFL on Sunday in Week 9, you'll know there wasn't much of that. There wasn't much, wasn't much must-see TV this weekend with these games. But um, my picks in Week 9, not good. One, three, and one. One win, three losses, and another push 
For the second straight week, I get a push, but let's break it down this way. My one win was the Rams as a three and a half point favorite on the road at MetLife against the Giants. The Rams scored 51 points on the Giants. Both the Rams and the Eagles scored 51 points yesterday. Uh, The Rams whooped the Giants, and the Rams were a a three-and-a-half-point favorite, so I covered in that game. You got a lot of people looking at the Giants now going, well, they gave gave up on their coach or Eli Manning. It's time for a change there. I don't know. If you're a Giants fan, are you really looking? Like, at this stage of the season, you're through nine weeks. You're horrible. Are you really looking for a change? You're one in seven. Um, the first place team in your division is eight and one. So, you know, you're not winning the division. And when it comes to making the playoffs, I mean, you look at the NFC, the wildcard teams right now, Carolina, the five seeded six and three and Dallas, the six seeded five and three. And on the outside looking in is Seattle at five and three, uh, Green Bay at four and three, Atlanta at four and four. I mean, if you're a Giants fan, are you really expecting, uh, uh, <laughs> A comeback this season to the point where you'd actually get to the playoffs? No way. No way. Be a little realistic for me. So when the Giants lose again, I don't care how they lose. I don't care how ugly it is. I don't care, you know, who, you know, what the halftime speech was from the coach. I don't, I don't care about, if I'm a Giant fan, here's what I care about. The NFL draft. Okay, the NFL draft. Because right now the race for the number one overall pick, the number one pick, San Fran's 0-9. They lost again. They lost to Arizona. Cleveland's 0-8. Cleveland had a bye. So they're still winless. And then you got the Giants at 1-7. So, I mean, Tampa Bay's 2-6. You got a couple three-win teams. But if you're a Giants fan, I mean, you really, do you want to win? I wouldn't. I'd be looking for the number one overall pick. So uh, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for the Giants to make no changes. I mean, Odell Beckham's out for the season. They should just keep it the way it's going. They should just keep losing. Because if they keep losing, they have a chance to get number one overall. And at this point, through nine weeks of the NFL season, with a 1-7 and seven record, the Giants should be doing everything they can to get the number one overall pick. They should. And if it means getting whooped by the Rams at home in week nine, so be it. Either way, the Rams winning that game and winning big was my only win of the week with my picks. Um, I mean, the Texans game was, look, I obviously lost that one because I took Houston minus 13. I think the spread went down to, what, six? I think the Texans were a six-point favorite when that one kicked off, maybe. Uh, But still, Indianapolis, you know, they won the game. So um, it doesn't matter. I I lose that game. I lose Houston minus 13 because I did not expect to, to see that news of Deshaun Watson being out for the season. Uh, I lost Atlanta. I took Atlanta plus one and a half. And, I mean, Julio Jones drops a pass wide open in the end zone. It's just, it, it's infuriating to watch the Atlanta Falcons. It is. It's infuriating to watch them. I took the Falcons plus one and a half. Um, they lose this game to Carolina. Uh, so I lose that. And then... I lose Seattle minus seven and a half at home against the Redskins. Washington won the game. Somebody need, can somebody answer me this question? Did you did you see Washington last week against Dallas in at home in, in DC? Embarrassing. Embarrassing. Washington looked terrible. Cousins looked terrible. They're all banged up. Washington's as banged up as anybody could be in this league. They, they look awful at home against Dallas. 
Then they go to Seattle. Seattle undefeated at home. You know how good they are at home. And they beat Seattle. But the way they did it, the Seahawks scored on the Doug Baldwin touchdown to go up 14-10 with like a minute and a half left. Washington gets the ball back. They score a touchdown. And and take a 17-14 lead. I mean, just insanity. I don't know how something like this happens. How can you... Look the way you looked one week against Dallas if you're Washington and then go into Seattle and win. But maybe this is more so, maybe this is on Seattle. How can you let a team like that, who looks like this, who's banged up like this, come into your building and beat you? How can you, how can you let this happen? It's just, it's stupid. It's stupid. Seattle lose the game at home against Washington. I mean, come on now. Come on. And they should have won it. You should have scored the touchdown up 14-10 at home. Seal the deal. That's it. It should be over with a minute and a half left. Now, even if it, even if they ended up winning, what, 14-10, I wouldn't have won the game because I took Seattle minus seven and a half. However, their kicker missed three field goals in this game, all in the first half. Hit your field goals. Play a little defense. This is inexcusable. Seattle, if they don't make the playoffs, they need to look back at this Week 9 game at home against Washington and say, what the fuck were we thinking? What the fuck were we doing with a minute and a half left? What the fuck was that field goal kicker doing missing three? Holy shit. That was the most frustrating one, I think, of the week for me. Seattle losing at home to Washington. So uh, I had those are my three losses. My, my push was Oakland minus three. Sunday night football last night. It was in Miami. Oakland wins the game. Right? The Raiders, they win this game. Uh, they're four and five on the season. Miami, they just traded Jay Ajayi. Uh, they're using a couple running, couple different running backs there. Jay Cutler returns. But you get the garbage touchdown, and not just the garbage touchdown, but a garbage touchdown and a garbage two-point conversion by Miami late that ended up making this a push, or I would have covered. Oakland wins, but they only won by three, so that's a push. So I went one, three, and one in week nine. One win, three losses, and one push. So now my record on the season... 21, 22, and 2. 21 wins, 22 losses, and 2 pushes. So 21, 22, and 2 on the season. Uh, I will get back above 500 next week in week 10. So come back on Thursday to hear my picks. And I'll try to bounce back with a with a DraftKings. Got to have him play. I did win $50 on DraftKings, uh, replacing my quarterback uh, with Deshaun Watson. I, I took a quarterback that was a little less expensive, gave me some more money to spend somewhere else, but just awful news with the Deshaun Watson stuff, not just for my picks, not just for the kid, not just for the Texans, but for the NFL, really, because Deshaun Watson was becoming must-see TV if he wasn't already. So looking back at Week 9, outside of my picks, uh, top stories of the week, Philly wins their seventh straight, yeah, I just told you they whooped the Broncos. So the Eagles now are 8-1. and one. They're in first place. They're the one seed in the NFC. Uh, how about New Orleans? They win six straight games. New Orleans began the season 0-2. And, and here they are now at 6-2 and two in first place in their division. And not just in first place in their division, but with New Orleans' win combined with Minnesota's bye and the Seahawks' loss to Washington, the Saints jump up from the fourth seed in the NFC to the two seed in the NFC behind Philly. So uh, a, a big win for New Orleans. And with the other things going on, Seattle losing and Minnesota having a bye, 
Wow, the Saints are in a nice spot, and who would have thought they'd end up in this spot if they're losing the first two games of the season? New Orleans wins six straight. Uh, Stick with the NFC for a minute. The Seahawks, with their loss, not only did the Saints get to bounce up, but the Seahawks fall out of the current playoff picture after they were the third They were the third seed entering Week 9 in the NFC. So, just, I mean, if you're a Seahawks fan, if you're a Seahawks player, coach, this one has to piss you off. They, I, I, again, I, I can't, that's going to take me a couple of days to get over. I can't imagine what it must be like to be a Seahawks fan and have to watch what happened yesterday at home against Washington. But with that loss, Seattle falls out of the current playoff picture. Um, you got the Cowboys moving into the playoff picture. Cowboys win their third straight. They beat Kansas City and Dallas. The Cowboys move into the sixth seed in the NFC. And you got we got to talk about that game for a minute. We got to talk about that Dallas-Kansas City game. And I'm not even talking about the on-field stuff. Kansas City loses. Um, I'll get to where they move to in the AFC playoff picture. I'll get to the AFC playoff picture in just a minute. But that Dallas game, like, I, here's one thing I will never understand. Again, this has nothing to do with the on-field stuff. Tony Romo's in the booth, you know, with CBS. He's with Jim Nance. I've told you many times on this show, I actually don't think Tony Romo is that good. I don't. He received a lot of praise early on in the booth because, you know, he was up there predicting plays, right? He was going, up. Oh, here we go, Jim. We got to right. We got to run to the left side, Jim. And it would be a run to the left side. You know, the guy would change the play and say, up. Oh, here we go, Jim. Watch out for this guy right here in the slant to the right. It'd be a, you'd end with a slant. Over the middle, go run to the right. I mean, Romo was predicting stuff, and at first it was cool. Then it just became annoying. It's like, listen, buddy, enough. Like, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to hear you predicting everything because it's. He started to get things wrong, and it was, it was like, well, it's one thing to predict and get it right. It's another thing to sit there and predict all game, and actually, you, it, it's not right. But the thing that pissed me most, that pissed me off the most about that is that. I can recall, like, I'm, I can recall Tony Romo's career. And I don't consider it a very good one. What do you win? Two or three divisions? His playoff record is, is under 500, right? Um, a couple seasons, he threw like 20 interceptions. I mean, Tony Romo never won anything in this league. And yet, I, I hear him up there predicting all this stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. Where was this when you were playing? Like, uh, where was all this stuff? You could read all these things going on. It, it just, it never really translated on the field for him. So I don't look at Romo and think that, wow, this is a, this is a highly successful quarterback in the NFL. I don't. But yet, when I hear people praise him or I listen to him talk and, and do the color commentary and I watch the Dallas Cowboys ceremonies yesterday for Tony Romo, I'm thinking to myself going, Does, did anybody else watch what I watched? Because especially the Cowboys, like this isn't, this isn't some organization. This isn't the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, this isn't an organization that was just starving for a quarterback to get him in the playoffs and win some games. This is the Cowboys. A Cowboys organization that won three Super Bowls in a span of four years with Troy Aikman with Emmett Smith. I mean, this is a championship organization who had a quarterback for close to 10 years as their starting quarterback that never won shit for them. They got to the playoffs a couple times, but he always shit his pants. 
He shit his pants. And because of that, I'll always know Tony Romo for being a quarterback that never could win the big game. And in fact, did more to help them lose the big games than he did win, right? It wasn't like, oh, he was just there and it wasn't his fault. No, most of the time it was his fault, actually. He sucked in the big game. So that's how I will always remember Tony Romo. But I, listen, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and crush the guy for no reason all the time. I'm not going to just bring it up out of nowhere. But I feel the need to bring it up because... I continue to hear praise for the guy like he is this, like he was this amazing NFL quarterback. And I watched this ceremony in Dallas yesterday where they have Tony Romo Day and they celebrate Tony Romo's return to Dallas. They give him the video, you know, you, you got the, they're announcing he's, he's getting emotional. It's like, all right, I'm sure it's a little emotional for him. But why, why are you doing it? Like, I don't look, look what's what's the, the point? Does anybody in Dallas actually, did they watch Tony Romo play for them? Right? Like, I just don't get it. Why were they going through the motions here of of, of giving him a day? Uh, oh, he returns to Dallas. Who cares that he returns to Dallas? Does anybody really care about that? We go in the game. Go beat Kansas City. Care about your current quarterback. Who ended up, what, ultimately stealing his job. And, um... You know, I know Romo, you could say he lost an injury, but I think there's a little more than that that went along with it, don't you think? So, I didn't understand the way Dallas celebrated Tony Romo's return yesterday. And you know who else didn't? Deion Sanders. <laughs> Talk, I, I mean, I, this is great. Some people on Twitter today were tweeting me, they're like, oh, he overreacted, or, or this is too much, or, you know, he's so sensitive, like, Deion Sanders just... He, he shouldn't have gone here. He shouldn't have gone there. He shouldn't have gone after Tony Romo that hard. Bullshit. He should have gone after him this hard. This is beautiful. I mean, they should. he should put Tony Romo in a body bag after this. This is it. Just stop the fight. It's over. If you missed this, I'm going to play the audio for you right now. And Tony Romo took the first shot. Romo was criticizing somebody for, for tackling or... You know, not being a good tackler, and he, 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 well, I'll let you listen to it. He takes a shot at Deion Sanders, sort of out of nowhere, out of nowhere. And then, so here's the clip, and they play Deion Sanders, what is he on NFL Network? He's sitting there in the studio. They replayed this clip for him in the studio, and then Deion Sanders responds to it. So you'll hear Romo shitting on Deion Sanders during the game. Now, he was obviously shitting on someone else first. But he used Deion Sanders and his tackling ability to, to shit on the other guy. Sort of just brought Deion Sanders into it out of nowhere. So you'll hear the Romo clip, and then you'll hear Deion Sanders respond. And it's just fucking beautiful. It's unbelievable. I absolutely, Deion Sanders. Oh, put him in a body bag, Deion. Put Tony Romo in a body bag, Deion. Woo! Here we go. Here's the audio. Peters doesn't want to tackle. That's one of the things I'm telling you. He's really good out there at the corner off coverage, but in tackling? Not his thing. No, and he makes Deion Sanders look good at tackling sometimes. See, Tony, I, I tried my best to take the high road, but I don't, I don't know the address to the high road. So I got to come at you, man. You, 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 ten years as a starter, you're two and four 
in the playoffs. You ain't won nothing. <laughs> I tried to bury the hatchet. Both of us work for CBS. I went and shook your hand and said, Tony, you're doing a great job this year. I thought that would be it. But nevertheless, you keep on shooting at me. <laughs> Tony, what's going on, man? I got a gold jacket that I didn't buy. <laughs> Dak says hi. <laughs> and bye. Tony, leave me alone, man. I got a lot of ammunition, man. How many interceptions? How many interceptions? 19 and 2012? Come on, man. You threw to everybody but me. <laughs> Tony, come on, man. You know you never won the big one. You know you never won the big one. So stop, man. Leave me alone. I tried to take the high roll, but I don't know the address. Put him in a body bag. You ain't won nothing, he says. What, 19 interceptions in 2012? You threw to everybody but me. You know you never won the big one, Tony Romo. This is perfect. This was perfect. And it's everything that I feel. Again, not just out of nowhere. I don't just, I'm not just going. And Deion Sanders isn't just going out of his way to crush Tony Romo either. Tony Romo brought up Deion Sanders. And I sit there whenever anybody praises Romo uh, to the point where, you know, they're trying to put him in the Hall of Fame or some shit. I, I sit there and go, this guy has never won anything. He's never won the big one. How many interceptions this guy throw? And Deion Sanders just took the words out of my mouth. And uh, good for Deion Sanders. I, I guess, you know, in a vacuum, it's it's an overreaction to to something that again isn't wasn't that bad what Romo said, but I think it's just it's built up. I mean, Deion Sanders won a Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys. Deion Sanders won a super he won a Super Bowl with two different teams, right, with San Fran and Dallas. So I mean, then don't bring up Deion Sanders' name if you're Tony Romo. Just don't do it. All right. And, and, and I just loved it. I loved what Deion Sanders said. It's perfect. He took the words right out of my mouth. And uh, I just, I don't understand the, the little ceremony, the, the Tony Romo returns to Dallas ceremony yesterday. I don't get it because I just don't think he was the player that they were trying to make him out to be yesterday. I, I just don't. And more than anything in the world, I just think there's a reason he's in the booth right now. I do. I think there's a reason he's in the booth. And it's not just all his decision. It's not. I don't believe that. And it's not just all injury. It's not. Tony Romo never won anything. And Deion Sanders is right on the money. So, um, got off on a, uh, on a little rant there. But we'll move on. We'll move on because this isn't uh, Dallas Cowboy football talk. But, but sometimes I, I hear people talk about Tony Romo. And I'm just sitting there wondering... Were they watching the same guy that I watched when he was a starting quarterback his entire career? Right? They, we watching the same guy? Glad Deion Sanders feels the same way as me. Moving on to the AFC playoff picture. Uh, again, the Patriots didn't play, but they didn't play, and they still were able to move up from the three seed to the two seed in the AFC because the Chiefs lost to Dallas. Uh, the Jaguars move up to the fifth seed they beat Cincinnati, and they did it without Leonard Fournette. Fournette, what, did he get benched? Or a, a team suspension? They, he was inactive. And good, good for the Jaguars. Because Fournette missed, what, he missed a meeting? And he missed a workout? He missed a couple different things this week heading into this game. And uh, he's a young kid, and the Jaguars having a nice season so far. Ultimately, you know, long-term, and then the rest of the season, they need Leonard Fournette as their running back. There's no question. 
but they're 5-3. and three. If the playoffs began today, they're in. I have no problem with the coach looking to make a statement there, and that's obviously what he's trying to do. Uh, he even said it afterwards, you know, they're trying to create a culture in Jacksonville that's a winning culture. And you're not going to, I don't care how good you are or how talented you are in this league, you are not going to have a winning culture if you sit there and let players not show up to meetings, right? If you don't punish players for that stuff, you're not going to have a winning culture, ultimately. And um, so I think nice job by Jacksonville. They, they said he's inactive. They benched him. They ultimately just, what, suspended him a game, I guess. And Jacksonville still won, which is even more of a message there to Leonard Fournette. But again, let's be real. They need Leonard Fournette. It's just they didn't need him yesterday, obviously. And Jacksonville's in a nice spot. So if you're a Jaguars fan, you hope Leonard Fournette can get his act together, can show up to the meetings, and show up to the workouts. And um, cause you got, because you got to get him back. Jacksonville moves up to the five seed. Buffalo lost on Thursday night football to the Jets, so Buffalo moves down to the six seed. So let's just take a look at the playoff picture now. Let's take a look at it. Um, in the AFC, if the playoffs began today, Pittsburgh's the one seed at six and two. They would have a first round bye along with the Patriots. Patriots, the two seed at six and two. Then you would have in the wild card round, you'd have the three seed Kansas City Chiefs at six and three. They'd be hosting the six seed Buffalo Bills, Bills at five and three. So Buffalo would be playing in Kansas City in the wild card round. The four seed Tennessee Titans at five and three. Tennessee would be hosting the five seed Jaguars. So, <laughs> I mean, how about that? You'd get the divisional showdown in the wild card round. Jacksonville would be going to Tennessee. And then in the NFC, the one seed Eagles at eight and one would get a first round bye along with the two seed Saints at six and two. So, Philly and New Orleans would get the first round bye. Uh, in the wild card round, the three seed Minnesota Vikings at six and two would be hosting the six seed Dallas Cowboys. So Dallas at five and three, they'd be going to Minnesota. Uh, and then the four seed Rams at six and two, they would be hosting the five seed Carolina Panthers, who is six and three. So Carolina would be going to LA to take on the Rams. Uh, and, and just with a big win for the Rams yesterday. And I say big because of the margin of victory. I mean, the margin of victory, it was, you know, they scored 51 points. They whooped the Giants as well they should. The Rams are a very talented team. My ultimate point here is that the Rams, I mean, they're battling for a first-round bye still. And I think they will be battling for that up until the end. So our NFC's tight. Outside looking in, in the NFC, Seattle at 5-3, and three, Green Bay at 4-3, and three, Atlanta at 4-4. Four and four. Um, If Detroit wins on Monday Night Football, they will not be in. Green Bay might be, though, if they win. Right? On Monday Night against Detroit? Because they'd be 5-3? and three, And didn't they go into Dallas and win? Maybe they bump up to the sixth seed? By the time you listen to this, maybe that changes. But um, at least in the NFC, maybe it changes. At least the AFC is set for right now, entering Week 10. That is what the playoff picture looks like. And um, what's the, what are the other storylines here? Well, it's national storyline, but it also trickles into the local storyline here in New England with the Patriots because Jimmy Garoppolo was traded last week. He was traded to San Francisco. He did not play in this game. San Fran lost to Arizona. San Fran is still winless. They're 0-9. They're saying Jimmy Garoppolo might not play the rest of this season, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Now, 
some reports have said that, well, San Francisco might be open to trading, to franchising Garoppolo and then trading him, which I don't think is going to happen. I think they make this trade for one reason only, and that's for Garoppolo to begin next season as their number one quarterback on a long-term contract. I don't, I don't think you play games with the franchise tag with Garoppolo right now. I just, I, I just don't think you should be doing that. So, I don't believe the report. I, I just don't believe that the 49ers are going to trade Garoppolo after they franchise him for next season. It's just not, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, now, if you don't want to play Jimmy Garoppolo this season, I can understand, not just from the perspective of, well, you know, he's got to understand the offense. He's got to play a couple weeks. You got to buy in week 11, uh, week 12. What do they play? Seattle, they coming off to buy. It's not a good matchup. It just, I can understand. Just, just think about Garoppolo and the new system and the new team and the new look. I can understand them saying he's not going to be our guy the rest of this year. But even bigger picture, the, when you look at the bigger picture, even more so, I'd be okay with not starting Jimmy Garoppolo. Because, again, the 49 is their 0-9. 0-9. They could dip battling for the number one overall pick. Why would you put Garoppolo in? And maybe he helps you win some games. And all of a sudden, you end up with the fifth or the sixth pick. I, I wouldn't want to see that if I'm a 49er fan. You've sucked this long this season. Why not, you know, stretch it out and continue to lose and get number one overall? So, um, and if you're Garoppolo and you can get signed to a long-term contract and you also know that maybe, maybe they go out and get a stud offensive player early on in the draft. What, you'd be opposed to that if you're Garoppolo? No way. No way. Garoppolo at this point, he might even say, you know what, don't put me in. Keep losing. Because if I go in, I'm going to win. We get number one overall, I'll be a quarterback next year. Sign me to a long-term deal. Let's begin it next season. That just makes that just makes sense for San Francisco. It makes sense for Jimmy G, and it makes sense for the 49ers. But um, there's an interesting aspect to this Garoppolo trade that came out yesterday on Sunday Jake Laser from Fox Sports, who's very well connected in the league, he told this story during the Fox NFL pregame show, and I'll let you listen to the audio, but uh, the story is basically he talked to John Lynch, uh, it's 49ers GM John Lynch, and John Lynch told him a story about, you know, he called Belichick and he initially asked for Garoppolo last offseason and Belichick said no, and then... uh. He called back and said, well, if, if Garoppolo's not available, is Tom Brady available? To me, that plot's not shocking. It's actually kind of common sense. Like, if you're John Lynch and you call and ask for Garoppolo's availability and you say, we want to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, and Belichick tells you, no, he's you can't have him. We're not trading him. He's off limits. Sorry, not having him. You hang up the phone. If you're John Lynch, you go back, you talk to the rest of the organization, and then I'm sure you 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 know put your heads together and you go, well, if they're going to keep Garoppolo, why don't we ask him if they're going to trade Brady? Like, I actually don't think at that point, when you've been told Garoppolo's unavailable and the Patriots are adamant about it, and you see the reports from Adam Schefter, at that point, I don't think it's that crazy to call back and say, well, listen, we'll give you something pretty good for Tom Brady. Like, I don't think that's that crazy from John Lynch's perspective. Um... But if but but the best part of this whole thing now, again, I don't think Belichick's crazy for not trading Tom Brady. You don't trade Tom Brady if you're the Patriots. You don't. 
You don't trade Tom Brady. I've told you that many times. That would be stupid. Obviously, Bill Belichick thinks it's stupid too, which is why the best part of this story, and I hope everybody in New England is listening to this, is listening to Belichick's reaction to somebody asking him if he'd trade Tom Brady. I just want people to listen. Because you know you get your conspiracy theories and you get your people who think they know everything and they sit there and go, and they'll try to tell you and tell me that, oh, Belichick, he wanted to, you know, deep down inside, this was Robert Kraft's call, deep down inside, Belichick actually wanted to trade Brady because he wants to win with Garoppolo. You hear these assholes telling you that, but it's not true. And this audio that you're about to hear from Jay Glazer in which he describes Bill Belichick's reaction to somebody asking him if he's going to trade Tom Brady, this should tell you that Tom Brady is Belichick's guy. This wasn't a trade that Belichick was opposed to and Kraft made him, Robert Kraft made him do it. No, Belichick, this is him being a businessman, knowing that he's sticking with Tom Brady, knowing that he wants to stick with Tom Brady, and knowing that Tom Brady is still an elite quarterback, that he's the greatest of all time, and that the smart decision right now for the Patriots, for Belichick, for everybody in, in the organization, the smart thing to do would be to stick with the greatest of all time and try to win as much as you can with Tom Brady rather than get rid of him, and move on to a kid who just hasn't really proven anything in this league, to be quite honest. But I'll let you listen to Bill Belichick's reaction again, coming from Jay Glazer. Here's the audio. John Lynch, he's been trying to get Garoppolo since the offseason. He calls Bill Belichick, and he says, hey, we'd like to trade for Garoppolo. And at the time, Belichick said, absolutely not. He's completely off limits. So Lynch calls back and actually asks Bill Belichick, all right, so if Garoppolo's off limits, would you trade us Tom Brady? And Belichick said, what did you just ask me? He said, I'm asking, would you trade us Tom Brady? He said, Garoppolo's off limits. He goes, did you just ask me if I trade Tom Brady? He said, yeah. He said, did you just ask if I trade the greatest quarterback of all time? And John said, so is that a no? That's great. That is great. I mean, it's perfect. I, I listen to people in this town try to tell me that Bill Belichick didn't really want to trade Garoppolo. And you know what? He, he he really deep down inside wanted to move on from Brady at 40 years old so that he could go with the kid and move on to the future. Again, from a 49ers perspective, I don't think it's stupid to to ask about both Patriots quarterbacks when, when the Patriots initially tell you one's unavailable. You ask for the other. Because you say, well, what are you going to use two quarterbacks for? Or at least you try to try to call their bluff on the Garoppolo stuff, so then you ask about Brady. I think from a 49ers perspective, it's not stupid to ask. From a Patriots perspective, it's ridiculously stupid to even entertain the idea of trading Tom Brady. You get Yet you get a lot of people in this town, in New England, in Boston, that will, will try to tell you that Belichick, deep down inside, he really wants to move on. Well, I hope that you listen to this. Jay Glazer, I mean, I, I'm sure this is a pretty accurate report. Jay Glaze is great at what he does. He's got a lot of connections, and it sounds like this is coming directly from John Lynch. And I wouldn't actually be surprised if, if, if you know, Belichick confirmed this story as well. That's how good Glazer is. So uh, I, I loved hearing this, and it just can, it just confirms my belief that Bill Belichick never wants to, never wants to move on from Tom Brady. At least doesn't want to move on from Brady right now. And if he did, he would be an idiot. And one thing I do know to be true is that Bill Belichick 
is not an idiot. So that was some great audio. <laughs> Those both audio clips, the Deion Sanders stuff and the Jay Glazer audio, two great pieces of audio this weekend. A whole lot better than the actual football that was played in week nine. I'll be back on Thursday to make my picks for week nine, excuse me, for week 10 in the NFL. And also my DraftKings got to have them play for Sunday slate in week 10. So I'll be back Thursday for that. Uh, before I jumped on today, see, I, I recorded a little later than usual today because I wanted to see the Alex Cora press conference at Fenway. And yeah, we've moved on from football now. We're on to baseball here on this show. Uh, the The Red Sox officially introduced Alex Cora today as the new manager. And a couple things that jumped out, and I only watched the first, I didn't watch all, I didn't listen to all the questions that were asked from the media, but um, there was one thing that he said with regards to the things that were most important to him. That's what I wanted to hear. And Alex Cora, he preached accessibility to his players and establishing and keeping a good relationship with those same players. So accessibility for the players and keeping a good relationship with them, establishing that relationship and keeping it with each individual player. I, I he and it just goes to show he's a younger guy. He wants to be on a level of communication with these guys that maybe some of the older older managers just don't want to be on. So I think that's a good thing to bring in a younger manager who wants to have and then continue this type of communication. I mean, you saw. Alex Cora up there in that top step for the Houston Astros as they go on to win the World Series. And, um, you know, they won it in L.A. in seven games. And you saw Alex Cora. He, he gets fight up. He's an emotional guy. And he just, it, it, he, you can sense the connection, right? You can feel it just by watching him on TV that he has that connection with the players that somebody like John Farrell just didn't have. And some of the older managers in baseball just don't have. So I think it's a good thing. And I did like Alex Cora's message today at this press conference. I'm not going to sit here and read into the introductory press conference too much. Some people will. I'll let them do it. Uh, go listen to them if that's what you're looking for. I'm not going to. Now it's just get to the offseason season. Now it's still Dave Dombrowski's time of year, president of baseball operations. Go make a couple moves. Go sign Eric Cosma. Uh, go bring back Ed- Eduardo Nunez to, to begin the season at second base. You know, take care of some of these uh, kids who, you know, the contracts with the arbitration eligible. You, know, you, get, you got some other decisions. They picked up some options, the obvious options there on some of the big-name players. Make sure David Price gets healthy, gets back to the rotation. Um, but, you know, Right now, now it's it's Dave Dombrowski's time this offseason and anything that happens in the hot stove in the Major League Baseball offseason, I will react to it. But from a, a, a judgmental perspective on the new manager, I'll wait till the season begins. I will. I, and I'll wait, I'll wait for him to to get into the season too, not the you know, first couple weeks. But um everything that I heard out of Alex Gore's mouth today was good. Was good, was refreshing. To a certain extent. So, uh, it's a good day for the Red Sox today. Introducing Alex Cora in the NBA. Uh, here locally with the Celtics. The Celtics have won eight straight games. They get a game on this Monday night in Atlanta. And even if they somehow lose this game and their win streak comes to an end in Atlanta, I don't know why people are acting surprised that the Celtics are sitting here at 8-2. and two And forget about their record. Forget about the win streak. I don't know why people are surprised that the Celtics are still having success without Gordon Hayward. I told you they would. 
And I pointed out the reasons why. And all those reasons why are, they're actually the reasons why they haven't success. Kyrie Irving's a beast. He's one of the best players in the league. Um, Al Horford's making an impact defensively, certainly. You have to love the, you know, it seemed the on-court relationship that that he obviously seemingly has with Kyrie Irving, Horford and Irving. Um, you know, they got some chemistry there, which is great to see. The young kids are playing big minutes, and, you know, they're not backing down from that. So that's refreshing as well. You're getting some production from from a big like Baines. I mean, look, this is a Celtics team that I try to tell you when Haywood went down, it's an awful injury. But I try to tell you, Celtics are still going to be pretty good, and they're still going to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And they've proven that right now. They've won eight, eight straight, even if they lose to Atlanta. And I'm not telling you they're going to. But for the sake of... You know, when this podcast comes out, and some people might listen on Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, whatever happens to this eight-game win streak, the Celtics haven't success without Gordon Haywood. I just want you to know, I'm not surprised by it. And in fact, I sat here and told you that it would happen. Maybe not eight straight wins. Maybe not exactly an eight and two record after beginning the season 0-2. But the fact that you're at the top of the standings in the Easter Conference... I told you they could still be there. I'm not surprised by it. That that That's all really I could say about it. So um, we'll let this thing play out. We'll see where it goes. But the Celtics, this is no fluke. I, I think when they're led by one of the best players in the league in Kyrie Irving and um, you're getting some production out of your young kids, you're going to have a good season, especially in the Eastern Conference. So no surprise here with the success that the Celtics are currently having. And um, I guess to wrap up the show, uh, there are some some wrestling thoughts that I have. Do I have to do I have to preface this by saying, here we go, I'm gonna get into a little professional wrestling. I get hey, some people hate hearing it. But my advice to you if you hate hearing it, just hit stop. Right? Just hit stop. You get to this point, you got almost almost an hour into the show, hit stop. I mean you know, the world doesn't end when you hit stop. But we do some professional wrestling, at least for the big stories. And it's funny. If you hit stop, though, and you don't, if you or if you sit there and go, I don't want to listen to any wrestling talk on your podcast, then you can't say that and go watch the Ric Flair 30 for 30 tomorrow night on ESPN. My advice to you right now is that you should listen to the wrestling talk. And you should watch the Ric Flair 30 for 30 tomorrow night on ESPN. The Nature Boy. I mean, this is going to be great. So, um, I'll be watching that. And at the same time, I'll be sitting here waiting for January to come. Because we got some news over the weekend. It's kind of some crazy wrestling news. And uh, if you've listened to me in the past, you know, I'm a big fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I like... I like some of the talent they have. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talent in the WWE. Some of the most talented WWE guys right now came from New Japan. They might not be used properly in WWE, but they are some of the most talented guys. New Japan Pro. Their WrestleMania is in January at the Tokyo Dome. It's called Wrestle Kingdom every January. And we got some news over the weekend that there's going to be a huge match at Wrestle Kingdom that I didn't see coming. And maybe I should have. Because the match is Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. 
That's right. The same Chris Jericho that pretty fairly recently, right, was in the WWE. He had the feud with, what, Kevin Owens? He had the list. When was the last time he was in WWE? It was pretty recent, I thought. Now, some people are saying that Chris Jericho, his contract expired. He's a free agent. Eh, I don't, you know what? They're telling us that. I saw this news that Chris Jericho was going to fight Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom at New Japan Pro's version of WrestleMania. I saw this news and I said to myself, when are we going to find out that Vince McMahon just bought New Japan Pro Wrestling? I'm waiting for that news. I just feel like that's what happened. Because they, they're going to have some competition here with New Japan Pro. And you know what? If Vince McMahon didn't buy New Japan Pro and Chris Jericho just decided to go and fight at Wrestle Kingdom, then I think that goes to show you where they're at. Right? I, that goes to show you where New Japan Pro is at. They're in a good spot. I mean, when you can get guys who have a name like Chris Jericho, who just recently was in WWE, and before then you had Cody Rhodes, he leaves WWE, he asks out, he wants to play a bigger role, he's in Ring of Honor, he's in New Japan Pro, and you get someone like Kenny Omega, who the WWE would love to have, and is trying to get, and yet Kenny Omega's like, eh, I'm good where I'm at right now. That's what's happening with Kenny Omega. I've ranted and raved about Kenny Omega many times. I wrote a column in my in, in the Boston Metro uh, for my Metro, Metro column in their newspaper. I wrote a column on Omega. I told you that I think if he did go to the WWE, he's got all the ability in the ring, on the mic. To, he's got all the ability to be one of the, one of the best, right? One of the, maybe, maybe the best in the world. You know, he's got the ability to be that sort of Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, The Rock types. John Cena types, like the face of the business type. That's what Kenny Omega has. He's talented in the ring. He's talented on the mic. Um, And when I look at him, I watch him in New Japan Pro, and I say he's the leader of the Bullet Club, which is a very popular faction of professional wrestling. I look at him and go, why isn't he in WWE? And, And I don't think it's because WWE doesn't want him. I think they do want him. I just think that he's seen some guys make that leap and they don't get the green light push. And he might be looking at that going, eh, you know, maybe it's just not for me yet. I don't know. Or maybe Chris Jericho going to Wrestle Kingdom, fighting Kenny Omega. Maybe that is a preview of what's to come between these two guys back in the WWE, right? I mean, maybe they do it once at Wrestle Kingdom. And maybe that's when all the Bullet Club makes their de- debut in WWE at WrestleMania. I mean, is it going to be one of those deals? I don't know. Well, here's what I do know. This is huge news in the wrestling world. It's unexpected news, though. I guess we should have seen it come and seeing Chris Jericho's tweets to Kenny Omega recently. where he was, He's was he been trying to crush Kenny Omega on Twitter. And I guess Chris Jericho has this wrestle cruise that he's running. It's a it's an actual cruise ship. He's got the wrestling ring. He's going to have an event. He's going to have some matches. And he's been trying to get talent on there. He signed the Young Bucks, who are part of Bullet Club, New Japan Pro Ring of Honor. And um, obviously, I think it's fair to say we're going to see Kenny Omega there, too. And I did read that Chris Jericho was trying to get WWE talent on there. And WWE said no. So that's when Jericho went the other way. And he went after New Japan. And... um. Not only is it cool news, but Chris Jericho did a promo, which apparently played in, in, in New Japan's recent event, and 
they all reacted to it. Here's the Chris Jericho promo where he calls out Kenny Omega and he basically breaks the news that they're going to fight at Wrestle Kingdom in January. Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega in New Japan Pro. Here's Jericho and his promo announcing it. Is this from a lot of talk about Switchblade? My God! What the hell? That's that's Chris Chris Jericho. Jericho! Chris Jericho! It's Chris Jericho! What is this? Kenny Omega. What a dynamic performer. What a fantastic, tremendous performer. But he's not the best in the world. I am. So many have claimed to be the best from Shawn Michaels to Edge to CM Punk, but they're all gone. And I'm still here. Because I am the best in the world. I am the greatest of all time. I am the alpha of this business. And I'm going to prove it. Because I'm challenging you, Kenny. What? Jericho versus Kenny. What? Alpha versus Omega. To see who is really the best. I want to meet you. January 4th. What? Wrestle Kingdom 12 in the Tokyo Dome. That can't even happen, can it? So let's see who's really the best. Oh, oh my God. How about the announcers there? I, that's great. Everybody's reaction was great to that. And um, I can't believe, I still can't believe it, actually, that they're going to do this. Because I thought Chris Jericho was still with WWE. I did. And part of me still thinks he is. And that Vince McMahon bought New Japan Pro Wrestling. I, maybe he didn't. But I, if, if that news does break now that Vince McMahon bought New Japan Pro Wrestling, I... Would not be surprised. But that's some big news in the world of wrestling. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to try to get Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated back in studio to uh, to record a podcast to talk about this. Because that is some big news. And that's going to be in January, again, at Wrestle Kingdom at the Tokyo Dome. So um, if anything else comes out about that, I'll react to it. I'll be watching the Ric Flair 30 for 30 special on ESPN on Tuesday night, tomorrow night. So when I come back Thursday, I'll give maybe a little review to that. So uh, excited to see that. Excited to get back Thursday and, and get some, give you some better picks too. And whenever I have a bad week, I always kind of feel guilty about it. Not because, not because just I had a bad week for myself, but I felt like I gave you some bad advice, which makes me even more motivated to bounce back the next week and give you some good advice. And I will do that for week 10 when I come back for Thursday's podcast. You can get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, really anywhere podcasts are available. Also on the Podcast One Network. Um, I keep telling you to subscribe to my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Picard, because uh, we're working on some type of video stuff, not necessarily for this show, but but something else that, that we're working on. Again, I, I can't get into the details on it, but 
you should just subscribe to the YouTube channel right now so that when we do launch what we're going to launch, you'll be fully prepared for it. Also, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. And then one more reminder that this Friday night, November 10th, you can join us on the Spirit of Austin cruise ship. It leaves from the seaport on the waterfront in Southie. Again, Friday night, November 10th. It's for a great cause for the Massachusetts Pediatrics Fund. Tickets can be purchased online at masspediatricsfund.com. Join us there, would you? And enjoy the rest of your week. I'll be back on Thursday. Talk to you then. <laughs>